Hello. Oh my God, it worked the first time. And then you ruined it. To sex time. Welcome to sex time. It's a bad podcast that's fun to make. And we've had a bad week, but we're fun people. We've had a bad commute home. Can you want to explain what happened to you? Well, I, it's, so I was on my scooter uh, crossing the burn side and somebody just starting to plowed into my lane and narrowly missed me and kind of was at an angle where I sort of got pinchered between this car and the retaining wall thing that they have up for construction. Mm-hmm. So he sped off. And by the time he had sped off, I had lost my balance and almost spilled sideways, mm-hmm. caught myself in my bike. And it took two tries of heaving to to get everything upright and moving again. Now the whole right side of my body hurts. And as kind of an adrenaline-based panic move, I dried off, went to the store, filled a cart with chicken and seltzer, and then came back, actually stopped in the parking lot to eat some of the chicken. How much chicken did you get? Um, like one and a quarter chicken. How'd you get a quarter chicken? Hot bar. Uh, oh, fair enough. And some potatoes and some gluten-free cookies. You know what Lisa calls potatoes? Bobabos. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Lisa's the best. (laughs) Does she even listen anymore? I don't think so. She's got a lot going on because she's a pop star. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got a lot going on. We still managed to record this for no one. Except Emily. Yeah, and Jordan claims that he listens. I um I got rear-ended. Yep, you did. And uh I actually kept my cool pretty well and um, you know, proceeded with all of my insurance knowledge about, you know, let's handle this calmly, exchange information, which was apparently like really not cool of me because the damage that he pointed out apparently was not damage and he didn't do anything to my car. Um, And then his large adult son said, you're a bitch as he was getting into his car. So that was cool. Um, Fortunately, I already had beer in my car. (laughs) So I came home and I have been just kind of winding down with my kitties. So... What a day. Chicken and seltzer for everyone. I almost got seltzer too, but I actually have all that um, mythicals in my trunk still from when I went and bought like $38 worth of seltzer on the weekend. Yeah. No, I feel you. There was a sale on the orange vanilla seltzer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Got some of those. I feel like I like Polar, not just because of like the weird politics of LaCroix. But I think Polar just has a better offering altogether than LaCroix does. Mm-hmm. So if we lived in the Northeast, we'd get more of it, like all the different flavors. That would be nice. They distribute out of like Massachusetts or something. I wish that they had unicorn kisses in a big can. I wish I could just swim in a pool of seltzer. Oh, I love unicorn kisses. I've uh, I've got a small can of Pixie Lights, which I have not had, mm. in addition to my orange vanilla. Yeah. 
Well, this is a podcast that is about two shows. One of the shows is bad. One of the shows is good and getting better. The bad show is Sex in the City. This episode of Sex in the City featured the same four women that it always does. And Carrie did something. And Samantha did something. And Miranda got together with Steve again. And Samantha met a man with a mullet and I think a you, huge penis. I think you meant Charlotte did something. And you've been calling Charlotte and Samantha the same thing for a while, I think. Well, there's four characters. And we've only been doing this for seven months. This is, you know what's good news about this episode? What? It is the last episode of season two. Oh yeah, so we're we're, we're making progress slowly but steadily. Is so, season three any better? I think a lot of people look at season three as like the pinnacle season. Even characters in Brooklyn Nine Nine say that. Oh, that's a fun show that I recently started. I wish I was watching it right now. So this episode of Sex and the City is called X and the City. Uh, nice stretch on the uh, effort on titling that episode. <laughs> um, the, the thesis that Carrie poses is, can you be friends with your ex? Um, and everybody kind of loosely talks about those sorts of friendships. Um, let's really quickly knock out the two, like, sort of non ones. So um, Charlotte in the typical wasp fashion of being her grew up around horses and she used to show a horse or ride a horse and she was very white when she did it and the um the horse that she loved um bucked her off and she broke her collarbone as a child so her father sold the horse and she didn't get back on a horse again and in this whole discussion of like can you um be friends with someone that you used to love and kind of like have that friendship again she's like i'm gonna explore my history with horses instead of men and so of is, course she's a horse girl uh, well yes of course she's a horse girl and the horses in this episode are like highly sexualized it is like the way that it is approached is like like how does she really feel about this horse because it was she had to like play it cool later and get him warmed up with feeding him some carrots and like <laughs> uh, maybe it's it's from being uh tertiarily a horse girl myself. I didn't see that the horses were sexualized. I thought it was normal how you talk to a horse. I don't know, the metaphors like Carrie's voiceover and things like that I think kind of amped up that. And then there's another horse at the end that Carrie connects with that's almost like a they locked eyes across the crowded room. <laughs> we'll talk about Carrie and her horse later. But uh, Charlotte eventually gets back on the horse and she's fine. It's all fine. So she's able to be friends with an ex, but it's not the same horse, so it's kind of not the same thing. You but... know, I've been thrown by horses and fallen off of horses and whatever else. Um, Charlotte's a coward. You knew that before this episode. <laughs> but you, you don't expect horse people to be cowards about horses. Well, it broke her collarbone. So? 
Does she seem strong back. to you? No. They don't. She didn't lose her collarbone. She grow back like a fucking fingernail. <laughs> Do you know anatomy? Uh, <laughs> I know Newt's tails. This is so different than a collarbone. I know axolotls. They're cool. Speaking of anatomy, let's talk about Samantha's storyline. Yeah. It was a nice pivot. <laughs> so she is walking out of a store and she's wearing, I think she looks pretty banging in that red dress. Yeah, like, she looks very fancy, like they, a fancy prostitute. I feel like, and that's a that's not a, a diss by any measure. Um, I feel like they're starting to get a little bit better with the wardrobe. It's a little less weird, late 90s. Um, and Samantha looks like that dress is pretty timeless. So she looks great. And then she locks eyes with a guy and he's kind of built and he has a mullet because it's still the early 2000s and we haven't quite vanquished mullets at that point and uh she calls him mr cocky because he picks her up there on the street and gives him her number and they start seeing each other and he warns her like hey i got a super big dick and she's like oh try me (laughs) and uh he has a very very big dick (laughs) i can't even picture that no so like i i feel like have you ever seen interviews with a guy who allegedly has the world's largest penis um i read an article about him and how he has to get patted down by the tsa i feel like the issues that she was experiencing were more related to girth than length yeah which again just hard to picture right because like how do you wear pants if because like that would be a constant presence in it. Men having their genitalia be external to their bodies sounds annoying enough, but like that would be even worse. Yeah. Like if it was that girthy, would it kind of act like its own loincloth? What? Like maybe the foreskin, you could like just wrap it around, like stretch it out <laughs> into a rectangle. Oh my God. So uh, they didn't get too far the first time they tried having sex. The second time they were like really trying to, um, they didn't even mention lube. I feel like they should have like, I feel like lube should have come in the picture here. Like at least a discussion about, okay, have you heard of uh, Ronda Rousey? Yeah. The boxer, the Mm -hmm. female boxer. She's like, uh, women shouldn't need lube. Like you should just if you need lube you're doing it wrong and that's like patently not true that's weird yeah like people it's a weird thing to say i think she's like if you if your man is good at sex you'll be wet and it's fine um but that doesn't always happen some people have like conditions where they do not produce enough vaginal moisture and they have to use lube or they're going to experience like tearing so Mm -hmm. like she um is not an expert I'm not either, but she's wrong, and I know that. <laughs> um, so Samantha probably could have used some of that. She instead tries to get real horned up, and she smokes a little weed. And they really, um, they communicate with each other, I think, pretty effectively. But ultimately, she it doesn't work, and so she asks him to just be friends. It's like a, I don't know, I feel like that's a really limiting 
like Samantha was only interested in PIV. Oh, there, was, there wasn't like other stuff they could do with that. There's a lot of stuff you can do with a lot of different things. I feel like that's her preference in these sorts of situations. That's like her ultimate, like, that's my number one favorite thing about sex. Well, but, sure. But yes, there is a whole other variety of things that could be done. That would be great what's one of What's one of those things that you can think of? Oral sex? Are you trying to just get me to say things? I'm trying to get you to say tit fucking. Oh, I didn't even think about tit fucking. <laughs> She's kind of flat for that, don't you well, think? Well, you know, she just needs to get her hands involved in the lube. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Is that even, like, pleasurable for the woman? I mean, they might find it very, like, enthralling and whatever, but it's not, like... No, it, I don't know. I don't think I, that... I don't think... Like, I don't think I can answer for the women. Yeah. Well, and there's other... There's so many things that I didn't even think of tit-fucking, okay? (laughs) There's a whole world of sex. Mm -hmm. Of having relations. (laughs) (laughs) Of making (laughs) bang-bang. It's Mick Big Big. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Miranda. Miranda and um, she sees Steve on the street that kind of like prompts the whole discussion and she grabs Carrie and like bolts because she doesn't want to confront him on the street. And it's like, I can see why that's awkward. Um, and he comes to her house to confront her about how shitty that was. And um, she's like, you're right, that was shitty. And she starts to get upset. And he's like, you know, it was shitty, but it's also shitty that I came to your house to, like, call you out on it. Um, And they kind of say, like, you know, I've missed you. I wish I could talk to you when things are happening and I want to tell you about. Like, we can still talk to each other. Like, let's try doing the friend thing. And and they try being platonic friends and they go to dinner and have some probably candid conversations with each other because they're not in a relationship, but then they um, get, uh, get amorous and they have sex. Uh, I I don't hate Steve. Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) Interesting. I just, Um, he's, I, I think of, of the men that have been presented in this show, he's one of the least objectionable. And so they have a conversation about what they are. And they, they decide that they are basically friends with benefits. Um, and I think we're probably going to explore that um, to a degree in future episodes. Spoiler alert. Yes, surprise. I couldn't imagine that that's where that was going. Um, so then the real big, big part of this is that Carrie is like, well, I have to like call big and like try to like talk to him and like have the conversation talk about being friends and it's like bitch no you don't like you don't have to be friends with your ex no one's forcing you to Mm-mm. and also doesn't after, go so well after all the rants that she went on about how much better off everything is without him it's like why are you stirring this back up again and she so she calls big and um natasha answers and she calls 
her like the sixth thin soulless bimbo or some garbage and it's like you don't even know that woman and to you know use this sort of language about her is really not great not a great look um not not great um and she basically treats this whole thing with like big as okay so you're with natasha now but you realize that like our relationship is still incredibly important and like we're going to connect and be friends and blah 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 and so they go to lunch and they're trying to like have some honest conversations and so big tells her i am engaged to natasha and she flips shit on the whole situation yeah real 180 yeah and she like makes a scene and then um they i think they have a phone call about how like they're gonna you know try to be cool about it and whatever and then he sends her an invitation to the engagement party which look if you're friends you're friends fine but you you have friends that you are like i'm friends with you because of like politeness reasons and those don't have to be the friends that you fucking invite to your engagement party well he's very wealthy you could probably just invite everybody hmm I feel like he's the kind of person who would groom his guest list. And I bet his fiance probably wouldn't super love his most recent ex being invited. If, yeah. If sure. I were her. If it were me. <laughs> um, she decides not to go and she's like offended at the thought. And they like have a, all the girls are at a, it's a brunch time, but they're drinking cocktails and they start singing memories from the way we were and how big is Hubble and I haven't seen the way we were but it was referenced in Gilmore Girls so I think I have to watch it now and I was so sure they were talking about the telescope <laughs> and then they finally explained and it. I was trying to piece it together like because <laughs> it can see far away because it's perceptive because it gives us information mm. what does the telescope have to do with this song um, so Carrie walks home, conveniently passes the hotel where the, the plaza, where the, the party is happening. And n- not to brag, but I've been to New York City. It's a grid system. You can find a different route. <laughs> She's fucking asking for it. She's just trying to stir up trouble. Um, so he, the engagement party's ending. He's saying goodbye to people and he comes over to talk to her and she's like, why wasn't it me? And it's like, fucking shut up, Carrie. <laughs> it wasn't you because you didn't work. You didn't like that relationship either. You were constantly frustrated by it. What do you want to do? Have him marry you and pick you and then be miserable forever? Have him not even let you keep a toothbrush at his house? Like, fucking Carrie. Yeah. And then she, she, she like really loses it at the end of this episode. Okay. And we didn't even talk about how she was in the horse barn and you were like, she shouldn't be smoking in there. She shouldn't be wearing fucking high heels in a horse barn either. Yeah. And then complaining that her $300 high heels are getting horse poop on them and dirt. No, because this, it's this just the Carrie persona as she sets herself up for failure and then complains that she's failed. Every time you point out how much I love being a victim, I'm going to be like, at least I'm not like Carrie I'm not that bad <laughs> so she went on this whole rant with um, Charlotte like I broke him blah 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 
And then it, she has this epiphany after she leaves big with Natasha. And well, she, she she leaves him by quoting some telescope movie that we <laughs> don't know we what it is. The way we were. It's a Barbra Streisand. Or, well, Barbra Streisand. I don't know if she, she sings the song, but I feel, oh, man. Anybody who actually has seen this movie is going to be like, Kelly, you're fucking dumb, which accurate. But um, it's from the 70s. And so she says, your girl is lovely, Hubble. Um, and because the show was as subtle as a fucking brick to the head. Um, and then she sees a horse that is having issues getting its bridle on. Or it has a bridle, right? That it was. It, the, that was confusing because it looked like the man was putting the bridle on or taking it off over the rope halter. Anyway, she sees this horse and then the horse appears to be willful. And then she's like, maybe I wasn't the one to break big. Maybe he just didn't break me. I'm wild stallion. <laughs> and she locks eyes with the horse and she feels this like surge of, I am determined to be who I am. Well, right before that, she tells big that line from the telescope movie with Barbara Streisand. And he's like, I don't get it mm-hmm. because why, why would you? Why would any of us? We don't. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, you never do. And walks away. It's such a bizarre non sequitur to say to another human being. I feel like if I were having an engagement party and an ex came up to me and had that conversation at the end, I'd be like, woo, dodged a bullet. Yeah. They're off their rocker right now. <laughs> now and Now and forever. But just she she doesn't learn anything. No. From like, oh well, you know, we weren't compatible and it's sad, but it didn't work out and fine. It it was like her conclusion was she did everything right. Oh yeah. She didn't. <laughs> I think it's I think Carrie's objectively the worst character in this. At least right now. There are going to be some characters in this series that you will hate. Um, but Carrie is like the most self-sabotaging and volatile. And yeah. Got Unpredictable, a- closed-minded. Lack of self-awareness. Is there anything you liked from this episode? I thought it was funny when Samantha was telling Carrie or someone about the penis. Uh, and said that they were going to try again. And whoever she was talking to said, like, it didn't work the first time. Why would you try again? And Samantha said, because it's there. Like it's and Mount I, Everest. And I, I chortled. <laughs> I was like, I, I enjoy Samantha in these dark times. <laughs> I mean, this, this show is a desert. You're going you're gonna to drink from the cactus that you can find. <laughs> In my recollections of this series, I didn't realize how I always felt like Miranda is the most relatable character, but she's just like, everything always happens to me. And it's, uh, oh, is that not relatable? It, well, I mean, I'm trying not to be like that. And it is relatable to a degree, but I, I always held her in this kind of endearing place, but I mean, of all of the characters in here, the most evolved, the most self-aware, the most confident, and the most communicative 
about, you know, honest desires and, and things is Samantha. And I feel like that's the kind of communication that is helpful to women the most to be that honest about what they want. So seeing it in a lens right now where I was, you know, 18 before, and now I'm almost 34 and seeing this, you know, I thought when I was 18, I probably thought Samantha's a hoe. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm like, I have learned so much about like women and these sorts of interactions and what's healthy and what's not. And like Samantha's probably the healthiest in this. Yeah, and she's she's not without faults. No. But she's she's the character that makes me chortle. <laughs> uh, so it is kind of um interesting to reflect on that um from the different vantage points I've had in life. Yeah, cuz I mean I, Samantha is often just played off as a joke. Mhm. Like her like her acknowledging her sexuality is a bit. Well, because women can't own their sexuality because men own it for them. It's true. The The father owns the daughter's virginity until he sells her to a husband. Uh-huh. Yeah, that sounds right. That tracks. The virginity is the hymen. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Some women aren't born with hymens. They are soiled. Some women aren't born with vaginas. Double soil. <laughs> oh, I wonder what kind of show this would be if it was made now. I do well different or or bad or just really bad. <laughs> <laughs> More progressive or the worst. Uh, any final thoughts on this? Nope. I'm, All right. I'm good. Let's talk about what you really want to talk about. Adventure time. Adventure time. These are two of my uh, heavily rewatched episodes. Fiona and Cake and What Was Missing. Fiona and Cake has its own little theme song. It's a uh, gender bend version of Adventure Time where it's Fiona the human and Cake the cat. And instead of Princess Bubblegum, you have Prince Gumball. And instead of Lady Rainicorn, it's Lord Monochromicorn. <laughs> and instead of Korean, he speaks in Morse code. Most and... other equins speak in horse code. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I came up with that just now. Yeah, good job. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have it prepared or anything. Great. <laughs> um, I um, uh, you want to explain the the overall plot of this one? Yeah. So the overall plot is Fiona and Cake are helping Prince Gumball decorate for his ball that's going to be large, and the Ice Queen comes in and and like snow blasts him, and she. Uh, defeats the ice queen and saves gumball and then he asks her on a date as like a girlfriend not just a chum Mm -hmm. are they still having the age difference in in this fanfic kind of thing no Mm -hmm. 
It doesn't seem like it. Fiona seems older than like 13. Yeah, she's coded as uh, a young adult woman. Yeah. She has hips. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, just making sure it's on the level. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Uh, Marshall Lee, you saw him. That's the gender band Marceline. He's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I think he's voiced by Donald Clover when in other Fiona Cake episodes when he gets a voice. Oh, there's more. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, they're sprinkled quite pleasingly throughout the series. Wonderful. Um. So the Ice Queen tries to ruin shit. Fiona helps defeat that, and then, um. Prince Gumballs, like he looks so lovely in the snow, and then says we should do a thing, a hangout, and Cake invites herself along. Yeah, she's very excited for this opportunity for Fiona and packs her dulcimer. Uh, yes, because <laughs> it's a conversation starter. <laughs> and um, Fiona can't tell if it's a date or not, um, especially because of that element. Um, so they they race on their steeds the the gumball and monochromacorn and uh, Fiona on an enlarged cake up to marshmallowy muertos (laughs) I love the little throwaway line because after they get off their their steeds they're both breathing heavily and cakes like why are you doing that we're the ones who did the running I, I liked the uh, um, forthright asides that you get from that. <laughs> from, from Cake saying, like, tell him he's hot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, I, I feel like Cake is a little more blunt than Jake is. Yeah, she seems a little more on the ball. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jake's too distractible to really give good advice. <laughs> um. So where I'm trying to remember where we're at. So he, Prince Gumball, like digs through the flowers and gets like a pink skull thing. Yeah. And then they kind of sig into this part where they're, they're flying through the air and singing a song. Mm-hmm. And out of nowhere, there's these spherical robots that Fiona gets up and starts slashing in half. And they make like a firework. <laughs> yeah. So it's this very romantic glow and their eyes are sparkling and it's because she's punching these killer robots while Kate plays her dulcimer. <laughs> and then um, is that oh, when it's, it's the words are, oh, Fiona, your fist has punched my heart <laughs> or has touched my heart. <laughs> Is that when um, about when Cake takes off to leave the two of them? Yeah, so she can get with uh, Mokro. <laughs> and uh, they kind of um, confide in each other, like answer some questions that they pose for each other. And he asks her to go to the ball as his girlfriend. Yep, so Cake gets her all ready and puts her in a dress with a purse. 
and sends her to the ball. The only thing, the only one of her weapons that fits in the purse is her retractable sword. That was given to her by Gumball. Mm-hmm. Looks like a pink crystal sword. Mm-hmm. But we find out it's not. Spoilers. <laughs> um, <laughs> like at the ball, it's, um, there's kind of a, like a, a four older teens scene uh-huh. where uh, Gumball takes Fiona up to his room and she's like oh cool is this your bedroom and he locks the door (laughs) and it starts to get really real really fast and he's like unbuttoning his top buttons yeah and then somehow worse than what you thought was going to happen the ice queen erupts from his chest while his face goes lifeless and slack like a rubber mannequin. Uh, some water had dripped on Fiona, and it's it turned out that the actual Prince Gumball is suspended from like an icicle in the ceiling. <laughs> so it's it's pretty horrifying. Uh huh. <laughs> it goes really. It goes bad. Um, and she. Like there's a, a small battle scene. It knocks the ice queen out and. Prince Gumball falls into her arms and Cake from the hallway is hearing Fiona say from a locked bedroom get that off me (laughs) get it off me Uh, so she comes in and sees Fiona and Gumball and starts attacking Gumball and then uh, Fiona clarifies it's the ice queen Mm mm-hmm then it takes a, a little turn. Suddenly Fiona's talking about how, like, she doesn't really want a boyfriend. But if she could get with a guy, it would be the Ice King. He's straight up so hot. <laughs> and then Cake agrees that, yeah, the Ice King is a babe. And then it turns out that yeah, Smash Cut 2 or Fade Out 2 the uh, Ice King that we all know and love um, is reading from a storybook that he has written um, where he basically made a fanfic about Finn and Kate. (laughs) And he's reading it to them while they're trapped in ice and then he's like demanding positive reviews from them. Um, Jake has frozen his face into the actual ice box so he can't talk. So, so Finn has to be like, yeah, man, it's great. <laughs> um, so there's some things in there that I'm like, oh, now that I know it was the Ice King that wrote it, I'm like, that's really interesting. Like, the whole, he could have had it just be that Fiona is like, I don't care about Prince Gumball, I just want the Ice King. But he gives her this monologue about how she knows who she is and she doesn't need anybody. And then if there is something that comes along in the future, she's open to it. And it's like, that's a really like emotionally intelligent thing to say, which is not what the Ice King is known for. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, creative writing exercises can really open up parts of you. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um. So it was a, a nice little twist. I wasn't expecting that. I thought the whole episode was just going to end like this and it would just wouldn't be explained. <laughs> no, it's it's fun that it is. Mm-hmm. Because it adds depth to a weird character. Uh-huh. And presents this other 
world that they can play in. So we've seen a lot of the Ice King lately then. We have. But not in the next episode. No. What was missing? Mm-hmm. I think this is a super fun episode. Mm-hmm. And also, it is very obvious to us all now that Marcy and Bubblegum are both queer. I've picked up on this without that knowledge ahead of time. How would you not have? I mean, it's just so... It's right there. I'm, I, I would have assumed that they were friends that had a falling out. I'm not great at assessing these sorts of things it was a cartoon well I'm not that great at assessing <laughs> <laughs> I try to be real smart and it doesn't always work out I mean when when Marcy is singing that uh like why why do I want to be the one to make up with you and bubblegum is sort of shocked and blushing I, I, that didn't seem like. Well, I know I know now based on what you've told me, but I don't trust myself to have figured that out on my own without that knowledge. I'm being honest that I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed sometimes. <laughs> well, this episode starts out with uh, Finn is cuddling the lock of the wad of Princess Bubblegum's hair that he got. Uh, from when he and Jake were faced with that ugly witch. Uh-huh. And Jake and Bemo pop out and say what they they know Finn cuddles her hair. And they too have treasured objects. So Jake brings out his baby blankie. Bemo's got his little controller plugged in. All of a sudden a door opens out of nowhere and this strange humanoid who does not speak kind of like makes sounds but he never opens his mouth. Mm-hmm. But he can open his mouth. We see that later. But he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, takes their treasured things. And then throws a key down. That turns into another door. That's a portal to the outside. And they chase him. And they're chasing him. Through different areas. That they frequent. So it's all people they know. Um, and they go through. Um... Except for that little candy kid. Yeah, what was up with that? <laughs> uh, I read somewhere that, so Finn, the door lord, grabs this kid's toy. And Finn runs out through the portal and chases the door lord and says, don't worry, toy, I'll get your kid back. Yeah. Uh, I read that that was just when they were doing the read through, the guy who voices Finn just got it mixed up. And they thought it was so funny that they kept it. <laughs> good it seemed deliberate i liked it um but he uh keeps running through like the palace and takes something from princess bubblegum and goes through marceline's house at one point he throws a door up in the sky and jumps through it and jake's like that guy must do his lunges (laughs) um so they get to this like final door and all of the people who had things taken from them so it's them the three of them Bemo, Jake, and Finn, and it's also Bubblegum and Marceline. And they get to the final door that they don't have access to. And this is, you texted me and said it reminded you of Damp Noodle. And I saw it and I was like, holy shit, those are Damp Noodle. (laughs) (laughs) For those who uh, haven't watched The Great British Bake Off, Damp Noodle is a kind of steamed dumpling 
Um, and the like history of the damp noodle was explained by um, Sue Perkins. And they actually go to the town that's like in Germany or Switzerland or whatever. And they had a gate like made out of shaped um, stone that looked like the damp noodle. A damp noodle arch. Yeah. And that, that door is like, huh. And I think that door predates the episode of Great British Bake Off. So it's just a, a beautiful coincidence of things that we love. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was made of like based off damp noodle. Who knows? Um, the door shuts and there's a um, Harry Potter-esque inscription that lights up around it that says it'll open up um, when like it, a, a real band is, like performed. So they try making some music. Um, Bubblegum starts playing BMO and um, Marceline has her guitar. Um, Finn's like beatboxing. Jake has his viola. And Jake decides he's going to be the jerk because every band needs one. And Jake is very funny in this episode. (laughs) He has, like, put on an attitude. (laughs) Did you notice at the end when he's playing the viola and his pants are on his ankles? (laughs) Jerk persona, he's bigger and he's wearing jeans. Yeah, and then he he sort of shrinks down to fall around the pants. Okay, um... (laughs) Um, but they're kind of disputing how to do the song and um, Marceline starts doing like a solo and she's being very confessional about bubblegum. Yeah, it yeah. starts out as kind of an angry, angry song about bubblegum. Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of starts out sexy. And then bubblegum says it's that's not tasteful. Uh-huh. And that sets Marceline off like maybe that's a longstanding lover's quarrel. So she goes um, and performs for quite a while, and the doors, all the little dump noodles start to light up, and their mouths open, um, like they're receptive to this. And then um, she loses the song. She she's improvising, so she kind of like gets stumped and can't continue. Well, she sees Bubblegum looking at her, and it it gets her super flustered. Yeah. Um. So the door reverts back to the it's not going to open phase and everyone starts to kind of dissipate and like give up and um oh uh, they start walking away and then Finn starts singing correct or did um bubblegum start trying to conduct music and it was a weird electronic symphony yeah discordant yeah bubblegum did some like philip glass stuff it didn't work out uh let's see i think they they like have supper they they decline to do a song about noodles and after that marceline and bubblegum just have some blowout and marceline spits on bubblegum's jacket (laughs) and then bubblegum is just almost catatonic with rage and disgust (laughs) and and like at that point Bubblegum's walking away because Marceline spat on her clothes and Marceline's also starting to cry and like get really worked up. Mm-hmm. Almost like they used to date and she was angry but also suddenly so sorry that she had like crossed this line. Mm-hmm. It's all right there. 
I'm not smart. <laughs> I'm smart in some ways. I know all of the flags of Europe. I'm not good at human emotions <laughs> or cartoon emotions. Well, at that point, Finn starts singing about how like he liked the time they spent together. And he oh, he confesses that what he lost was a piece of bubblegum's hair. And the door starts becoming receptive um, to what he's doing. And Finn figures out that what the door wants is for them to tell the truth in, in whatever music they do. So I think he gets pretty um, confessional <laughs> with it. Um, and God, I just watched this like an hour ago. Why am I losing the rest of it? Because it's been a day because you got rear-ended right before you watched this? Yeah, that might be it. Gotta help me out here. Um, so they sing this cool song and the door opens the door lord's in there just eating a sandwich and he kind of does his like <laughs> which they correctly <laughs> interpret as oh by he he took their treasures but by looking for their treasures they found out that their friendship was the real treasure and he says the door lord's like <laughs> the next Second, the door lord's in the same position, but he's got lumps and bruises all over him. And he's uh, bound. He's tied up. Yeah. Uh, so they got all their stuff back. Except for Marceline. She didn't have anything. There was a rock and roll shirt, but it turns out that that belonged to Bubblegum. Marceline gave that to Bubblegum. And Bubblegum wears it as pajamas. And uh, Marceline, it's all right there. Marceline didn't have anything confiscated. She just came along because she wanted to hang out. And Finn calls her out on it, and she grows grotesque. How yeah. dare you? I'll kill you. Yeah, she goes to like twenty feet tall and kind of a grotesque slouching monster with like a Lord Voldemort nose. Yeah. And start stomping after them and saying that she'll kill them. And that's how the episode ends. <laughs> they all laugh when she says that, too. Because <laughs> I think it's pretty proven that she's not going to. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is a fun episode. Um, even though it's not quite as, like, colorful and cheery as some of the others are. Because where they're waiting for that door to open is kind of, like, desolate and barren. Um, but... They they brighten it up with their presence. Yeah. And I like the musical episodes. I think they're fun. There's a lot of music in this one. I was going to record some of this stuff, but a lot of it is kind of interspersed with dialogue. Um, and also, I'm so tired. I'm not going to put any music on this episode. Sorry. You're just going to have to go watch Adventure Time yourself. Yeah. And then we can sing along. Yeah. Uh, this was enjoyable. It was, um, they packed so much into these episodes. There's like a lot of layers to this. Yeah, this was 11 minutes long. Yeah. That's, that's pretty, um, deft storytelling to do it that quickly without it feeling like overwhelming and people just like spitting information at you. It's carefully done. Yeah. 
it's quick and it's organic. Yeah. It's good. It is good. I'm enjoying the show you're making me watch. Yeah, I'm not enjoying the show you're making me watch. Yeah. But I'm I'm less like shocked by it every time I see it, so I guess I'm tolerating it better. Or you're just getting used to it. Maybe. Yeah, I'm I'm resigned to some things now. God, I am gonna look ahead in some of the descriptions so I can kind of anticipate when you're gonna get pissed. <laughs> yeah, there have been some moments of apoplexy. Yeah. Okay. Um, <sighs> shall we get into our uh, pop culture recommendations? Yes. Would you like to go first? Yes. It's not really pop culture, but one of my coworkers lent me a book by author Meg Ellison called The Book of the Unnamed Midwife. It is a look at an asymmetrical apocalypse in which a plague attacks women and kills them at a rate like of like 99% and kills men at a rate of like 99 uh 97% or something something that makes it very very asymmetrical like there's mm-hmm. a lot of men to each woman and it's uh from the perspective of a woman who survives it and is a midwife and a physician's assistant and her journey to kind of figure it all out in this new horrible world I don't often like you know apocalypse books but I really appreciated the 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 female specific take on this it actually reminded me quite a bit of Lydia Yuknovic is writing oh i've read some of we've talked about that yeah mm-hmm. um so sort of the style of writing and the um the the straight no chaser way that this world is presented that's uh i might be interested in that as well that's one of the things i i would say is a pretty good criticism of um 1984 and then also brave new world is that there are women in the book, but they're um, kind of like, I don't know, mannequin almost. Like, they're very one-dimensional. Um, like yeah, in- they are not concerned about uh, birth control or yeast infections or UTIs or getting pregnant or not getting pregnant or, you know, tampons. Well, that's not really what I but- mean. In, in 1984, she's only on the side of the, like, resistance because she just wants to have sex. Like, there's the line in the book. That rebel she's just, from the or, waist down. Yes, rebel from the waist down. And she doesn't seem to have any, like, ideological leanings. She's very, like, driven by her base desires. Um, which, and she's, like, the only woman who really has any presence in, in that resistance to, you know, the government. Um, and it's kind of like a poor showing. Um, and then in, uh, I haven't read, I have not read A Brave New World in a long time, but it's sort of similar where it's just kind of like a, the women are kind of like an echo chamber for other people's sentiments and they don't really like have their own independent 
like grappling with the realities of their weird situations. So women's perspectives, I love dystopic fiction. I Women's perspectives are terribly missing from them. Well, then you would probably just really legit love this book. And there is a sequel uh, that you, you kind of get the idea of what it's going to be about at the end of this book, if you know what the sequel is called. And I'm going to get that, and I'm very excited. What's the title of this one again? Uh, The Book of the Unnamed Midwife. I will look into it. And the sequel is The Book of Etta. Okay. Cool. Um, My pop culture is... Sorry, a cat was trying... No, he's definitely trying to bite me. I picked him up last night and he slashed my face. I saw that. It's a really small cut, but it's deep. It was like bleeding for an hour and a half last night. Ugh, cat injuries are so gross. Yeah, I should have, I should have like sterilized it after. Um, my pop culture is that I'm in the midst of a rewatch of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I know you just started the series for the first time. Um, I don't know why I decided to do it now. I think it might have been because I know that the Halloween episodes are so good and um, it's almost Halloween. Um, So it's been really enjoyable. I really enjoy this show. There is a pretty good um, diverse cast, both um, with the amount of women who have speaking roles and the different ethnicities of people who are on the show. And um, they uh, play against type quite a bit. And, um, our, <laughs> it's just, I just love it. I love them all so much. Where are you at in the show? Like second episode. Oh, okay. So you have, it isn't really hit its stride quite yet, but it will within the first season, it'll be kind of like, it'll have found its footing. So it's a good, well, it's, it's pretty enjoyable as is. Yeah. But it's going to become um, pretty consistent and just a little bit you'll you'll, um be kind of like in the episodes that are like very typical of the show pretty soon it's very consistent across all the seasons oh good so yeah okay um shall we do our thank yous to our listeners well we we already did kind of all two of them Mm -hmm. well that Thanks, Emily. Yeah. Get at us on Twitter. Or Instagram. That is that we just do for you. Which is mostly boobs right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's funny. I am actually scrolling through Instagram since it, I am. Uh, and we follow Broad City. And there is a, a little video clip and Alana is grabbing at these boobs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they just announced the um, next season. I think it starts mm-hmm. in January. So that's such a good show, too. It'll be good. Yeah. Took me a little bit of arm twisting to get you to watch that one. But yeah. Well, I was so busy. Yeah. It was worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, what should we call this episode? I've been naming them a lot lately in kind of like so there fashion rather than like being funny 
so I don't know what to do. Uh, we can talk about it. We talk about it now. <laughs> In a world where Samantha Jones hasn't heard of lube. <laughs> what was missing? Lube. <laughs> maybe (laughs) okay episode title what was missing question mark lube period (laughs) maybe period (laughs) okay well thank you so much for listening emily you can find us on twitter at sex time pod and instagram at sex time pod we're on facebook we're getting more views and i don't know why i haven't really been posting there but look for sex time podcasts on facebook um we don't get a lot of interaction so we will reply mm-hmm. um, anything yep. anything even the spam bots mm-hmm. the spam bots that think that we are here to sell sex apparently <laughs> well it is sex time it, sure i mean i had a mortgage so <laughs> <laughs> let's talk <laughs> so it's not a misnomer i was just going to say it's a misnomer but it's not uh well let's chat let's talk let's chat offline let's chat online (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening i don't know why you did this has been a bad podcast that's fun to make and we will catch you next time